if you were just there for 24 hours, I think I would try to take you to a museum, but not the Louvre, because I think the Louvre is beautiful, but kind of overrated. <laughs> you really go to, everybody goes to the Louvre when we have amazing other museums. And one of my favorite museums is called the Musée d'Orsay. And it used to be an old train station and they, they changed it, but they kept uh, the big clock there. And so if you go on the last floor of the museum, you can see how it used to be. Um, so it, it's really gorgeous and they have a lot of sculptural um, art there. Bonjour à tous, Sophia Pamela Leroy uh, sur Passport to Perspective. Uh, je vous invite aujourd'hui à écouter le podcast que j'ai enregistré avec Jason. Et je vais vous donner tout plein de conseils sur la France, la Jordanie où j'ai vécu pendant deux ans et aussi quelques infos sur mon expérience aux états unis J'espère que ça vous plaira. À bientôt This is the Passport to Perspectives podcast where we discuss travel, culture and heritage. I'm Jason Barrera. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Paris, France so often romanticized as a place brimming with culture, arts, museums, fashion, and history. It can almost be overwhelming when planning a trip to France on where to go, what to see, and what destinations locals are visiting. Our guest today is Sophia Pamela Leroy, a native of Paris, who returns to the Passport to Perspectives podcast to put the magnifying glass over her hometown with local recommendations, tips, neighborhoods to visit, and suggestions when visiting Paris. She'll also provide some insight into France outside of Paris and share a few cultural differences she noticed when living in the USA as a Parisian. This is part two of our conversation with Sophia. She recently returned to France after spending two years abroad in Amman, Jordan, and she discussed Jordan and her experiences there on part one of our conversation last week. I encourage you all to go check out that podcast episode as well. The Passport to Perspectives podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. Please rate, subscribe, review, and share this podcast with your friends. And if you are so generously inclined, donate to this podcast on Anchor.fm. Your reviews and ratings help others find the podcast, so we certainly appreciate your support. Enjoy another edition of the Passport to Perspectives podcast with our Parisian correspondent, Sophia Pamela Leroy. So how are you feeling about your return to France? I know you mentioned you've been back, you know, five or six times while you're yes. in Jordan, but now you're back officially. And there's always that sort of feeling of reverse culture shock or settling mm -hmm. back in. And you've only been back for two or three weeks. I think we've been trying to set up this podcast. Yeah. How are you feeling mm -hmm. just personally? Um, well, I'm trying to readjust to French life um, and especially to Parisian life, which is very busy and pretty exhausting, actually. Um, there is a lot of social things to do. So you will get a drink with that person and get, get to dinner and then go dancing and then all these things that I was not used to anymore. So that's that's the nice part. Um, but I still do miss Jordan and not just for the blue skies all year long. <laughs> I miss Jordan for, I guess, the different type of mess that I was mentioning earlier, um, which was pretty nice. And yeah, you know, it was just a very peaceful way of living there. Um, 
even in the mess, if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, but um, it's not a big city. There are not cars. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of cars, but not everywhere. And if people are yelling, they're just actually just trying to get the attention of someone. It's nothing too crazy, you know. Um, and yeah, people smile and they talk to you. So I think in Paris, it's a bit different because it's a big city. So I'm just adjusting to that. And um, yeah, I'm missing all the food that I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to go to a, a, a restaurant very soon, I think, a Syrian or maybe a Lebanese because we would find Lebanese pretty quickly here in France. <laughs> I think it was the, the cultural aspect in general. And when I say cultural, I mean to go to exhibitions and to go to museums and this type of thing that I usually do even on my own here on weekends or even during the week when I have time. Um, and being able to go anywhere at pretty much any time and find something up open, uh, which was not the case in Jordan. In Jordan, you have... In Amman, you have one museum, and then you have interesting things to do, uh, very local things. So go to the market, take cooking classes, so this type or Arabic classes, these type of things. But then, if you want to do something um, culturally interesting in that type of uh, of meaning, you have to get out of Amman and to leave your adventure for a weekend. So I think that's the thing that I most that I that I uh, miss the most. Any hidden gems or destinations you would recommend to travelers visiting France and visiting Paris that I think it's so easy for Americans specifically to fall or for Americans to fall in love with Paris specifically in France. But I think there's so much more to explore in France. Any suggestions that you would give as someone who grew up there and knows the country, obviously? Um, so depending on the time of the year, uh, it would be different. I think that for people who come in the in the winter time, you would have to go skiing. So there are a lot of places to ski in France. You could go to the Pyrenees, for example, uh, which is pretty nice and beautiful. And uh, if you come in the springtime or summertime, you should go to the south coast on the Mediterranean coast. So it's it's pretty nice. Um, you have beautiful places. There is one in particular where I used to go to when I was a kid, which is called Cassis. And you have a lot of uh, small uh, beaches when you can stay all day long, not crowded. Um, the, the cities are pretty small and nice. You can go also to Aix-en-Provence, which is pretty famous. And they have lavender fields. It's, all that is, is very, very nice. And you, you're still in the city, but not too big and kind of far away from the noise. So... I guess I would recommend these two places. Getting back to Paris, I, I just want to follow up on something I was thinking about was with the normal routine that you're describing and Parisians moving really fast. My friend and I always talk about this sort of stereotype we have about Paris, which is we call mm -hmm. it drink, smoke, talk, just drink, smoke, talk, <laughs> drink, smoke, talk all day at the cafe, then move on to, because she just kept, got back from Paris and she's telling me, mm -hmm. Yeah I, yeah, I just started smoking, drink, smoke, talk all day, every day. Obviously, she has all this time because she's a tourist and not working like yourself. But mm -hmm. is, are we correct in saying that about Parisians or are we a little off base? <laughs> yes, um, that's funny that you cannot see my face right now because I'm smiling so big. <laughs> uh, 
I uh, I heard that um, that stereotype actually almost ten years ago now, even before I went to the states, and uh, to be on a terrace because we call them like that at cafes and actually facing the street and not especially the person that you're with is really part of the Parisian culture. It's let's talk about our lives while we drink, while we smoke, um, sometimes while we eat and let people watch that. That's a very big part of what we do. Um, and when I say people watch, I, that's actually something um, now I th I'm thinking about it now that I missed when I was in Jordan. It's just how elegant people are here or how much effort they put in their appearance, which I think is, uh, is pretty nice to watch. But also sometimes you feel like you don't need all that. <laughs> um, that's, that's really like sweatpants would be just fine. <laughs> that, um, must be your, that must be your, your American study abroad coming out on you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she, she's right. Um, your friend is right about that and if you have time actually you would do that or even after work um i think that if i didn't have to commute for a long time or if my friends uh had more time too we would be doing that way more often so it's it's a real it, i don't even think it's the stereotype anymore you know just a real thing just genuine real life out there yeah <laughs> what is the neighborhood that you live in in paris um, so I live in a neighborhood which is called Belleville, and I really like it. I just moved in, and it's pretty nice because you have um, a lot of diversity in my in my district. So you have the Arabic community, and you have the African community as well. And I just love um, getting out of my apartment on weekends and be able to actually get um, a loco if I want, which is uh, a type of fried banana from Africa or falafels if I want. I love to see like all these beautiful materials, um, you know, with all the colorful materials from Africa, which is called wax. Uh, you have a lot of stories like just filled with them around Belleville. And then you have a lot of hipsters cafes and um, flower shops. So it's, it's a mix of everything that I really enjoy. Hipsters take over your neighborhood too, aren't they? I'm in Paris for 24 hours. Where are you bringing me to eat? What are your favorite restaurants? And where are we going to go drink and party and hang out? So um, I really like brunches. And there is one that I really like in next to a metro station, which is called République, which is very famous. And it's called Les Parigots, which means the small Parisian people. And um, they have like a, a, an open brunch with a lot of fresh, nice products um, that can be just uh, a lot of salad bar or a lot of uh, charcuterie. Charcuterie is the type of delicacy that we have here. It's, uh, for example, ham and dry sausage, so saucisson sec. And you can have also fish if you want and juices. Anyway, it's my favorite brunch in Paris. I would take you there. Then um, we would walk around a lot. And if you were just there for 24 hours, I think I would try to take you to a museum, but not the Louvre, because I think the Louvre is beautiful, but kind of overrated. <laughs> you really go to, everybody goes to the Louvre when we have amazing other museums. And one of my favorite museums is called the Musée d'Orsay. 
and it used to be an old train station and they they changed it but they kept uh the big clock there and so if you go on the last floor of the museum you can see how it used to be um so it is really gorgeous and they have a lot of sculptural um arts there so we take you there I guess, or to some crazy digital exhibition, because apparently they have a lot of these now, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> a lot can change and, in two yeah. years when you're in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different. Um, and then uh, I think, actually, I would take you to have a very nice view from Par- uh, for Paris on top of the Arc de Triomphe. So I recently took my boyfriend there. Um, he's American. That was his first time in Paris. He really enjoyed the Eiffel Tower. But when I asked him what was his favorite moment, he told me when I when he was able to see the entire view from there because it's on a roundabout, a very big roundabout. And when you're on top of it, you can see the how the streets were made and it looks like a star kind of. So it's it's very beautiful to see the architecture from above. And at night, we would get um, what, what we call a croque-monsieur. So it's kind of like a grilled cheese for you guys, but there is ham in it. <laughs> um, so we would get that at the place which is called uh, Paris Paris. And then I think we would go clubbing, and I have no idea where, because I just came back. That's great. Thank you for the tips. It's great getting, getting it from a local's perspective. Sophia, mm-hmm. you're awesome for sharing that with us. <laughs> Where do you want to travel next? What's on your What's on your bucket list? Are you gonna um, stay rooted for a little bit? So I'm gonna be staying here for a little while, and um, then so Iceland is on my uh, travel bucket list. I really want to go there, but to go to Iceland, you have to be able to drive. So I have a deal with my friends, and um, the the thing is that I have to get my license first. <laughs> oh, you don't have a driver's license. No, I don't. No, no wonder you got lost in Jordan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, I don't have it because I never needed it here. Uh, I realized just when you travel that you start needing a license. I, I never really used it or I never have the need for it in Paris because the transportation system is so great. And in France, you can take the train pretty much everywhere. So, you know, I'd rather keep my money to travel, to be honest. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, what that's I much smarter, much smarter way to go about your finances. <laughs> yes. So Iceland is on my list. And I think um, that I'm going to go back to Asia and maybe visit um, China, Laos and Vietnam in maybe 2019, 2020. We'll see. Tell me a little bit about your community and how you grew up and where you were born and raised? So I was uh, born and raised in the suburbs of Paris and uh, I've never been too far from it. From it, um, I used to move a lot because my parents got divorced when I was a kid. So yes, I lived around Paris for a while. Then we went to Bordeaux, which is uh, more in the south of France. Then I lived in the north of France, complete opposite. And then we ended up coming back, um, which I thought, which I think was the best idea that my mom ever got <laughs> to go back near Paris. Um, cause I'm just in love with this city. So I have, I'm originally from, um, Egypt and, uh, Spain on both my parents' side. I was, I was raised in a very French way um by my mom and by my stepfather who is from the caribbean islands and who's also american 
So very international background. So the funny part is just that I have all this amazing background, but unfortunately for me, I don't have like anything on these cultures. However, um, it has it had been like a dream of mine to just travel the world. I always thought that it would be pretty cool to just, you know, like see what's out there. Um, so it's, it's very weird how I ended up in Ohio. Every time I say that, um, people don't understand why I went there. You know, why would you go to Ohio when you can go to New York or LA or even Pittsburgh, you know? Um, but the thing is, I, first I was supposed to go to Canada for my third year of, um, studies, um, in college. And, um, well, they, they accepted my application and then very last minute, they told me that I was not in that school anymore, that I could not get in for very, it was just logistics. Um, and so I was not really happy with my school and I gave them an ultimatum and a deadline <laughs> telling them that they had to find me a place to go to. So when they said Ohio and that I could stay there for a year, I just accepted. I just went. I didn't even care. Um, I just, yeah, I just decided to go. It was either that or to stay in France. And I thought it was a great opportunity that I could not miss. And that's how I ended up there for an entire year in 2008, which was a while now, very long time ago. Have you been back to the United States since you've studied there? Um, yes, I went back four times and every time just to visit friends. So the funny part is that every single time I went, I uh, stopped by Ohio for at least two days <laughs> and then I was on my way somewhere else. So I went to uh, a lot of states, I think. I went to, uh, I went to New York City uh, twice. I went to California, I went to Florida, and then I went to visit friends in the Midwest in general. So, Yeah, I think you might be the only tourist who comes to the United States and makes it a point to stop by Ohio for two days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, it's not something people would do. And I think it's too bad because I had the opportunity to meet amazing people there. And I actually go back for the people more that for what's out there, because let's be honest, there is not that much to do <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, of course. Um, but everybody was very, very nice to me when I arrived there. And, you know, I was I was 19, so I was just a kid. And they were still able to make me feel like it was my home. And I felt like that ever since, you know, every time I go back, I'm like, hi, it feels good. I'm in the Midwest, you know. Um, so, yeah. And uh, 10 years later, I'm still in touch with these people. I saw a lot of them. Um, I have two or three friends who came visit me in Paris. So, yeah. Created a nice bond with the Midwest. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a culturally shocking experience when you're first in the United States studying abroad? I think sometimes Americans um, can come off as a little abrasive <laughs> or understanding <laughs> other cultures. Mm -hmm. Did you experience any of that at all as a as a Parisian girl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There, there are two things that um, really shocked me. The first is funny and the other one, not that much. So I'll start with the funny one. Everything there was just bigger than expected for no reason. Like <laughs> you would go to any place to get food and they would give you this very big cup and you would go to the, to the machine to fill it. 
and it was free refill. Like, why? It's the big, the cup is already so big. Why would you do that? You know, it was just so weird to me. Um, and everybody was telling me, you know, like, uh, the bigger, the better. That's how Americans think, apparently. So that that was the funny part. Like, oh, wow. Um, well, apparently I come from a very small country and we don't feel like we have to do this. Um, the The less funny thing is... One day I was at my friend's place and she turned on the news and on the news, I, I watched it for a while, I think for like half an hour or so. And everything was about the United States. Nothing, absolutely nothing was about other countries. And I thought it was, I was very disappointed because I kind of expected to hear from friends because at the time something was happening there. I can't remember what. But everybody was telling me on the phone what was going on. So if I was watching the news, I thought that I would hear from it. And I thought it was too bad because you guys are have a very big country. So it's obvious that a lot of the news come from there. But by just looking at the news of the country, you don't really see what's out there. And so you don't really understand, you know, um, the other countries. You don't know what's going on there. And... It's it makes you not um, not close minded, but just you you just don't know. And so yeah, I was a bit disappointed with that. It was very culturally shocking for me because if you come to France, you turn on the TV, you have the French news first, and then you have everything that's going on in the world. For example, when you guys had um, let's say uh, Women's March, that that's how you called it, right? Yeah, Women's March. It was all over our news, you know, something happened uh, in Korea. We knew about it, you know, um, something actually happened in Sweden. We knew about it, you know, and I felt like I was in my American bubble when I was there. And if I wanted to know things about friends or other countries that I had to go look by myself for it, it was not available anywhere. Um, so, yeah, that was the that was the most striking thing there. <laughs> Yeah, to your point, I think a lot of times, and this may not necessarily apply to just the United States, but I think globally, a lot of the culture and point of view is really influenced by things that are out of our control, which is the geography. Uh, like mm -hmm. we mentioned before, a lot of the food and how things developed culturally with the food and spices and trade is influenced by geography. And the United States, more or less, I think would be considered uh, sort of isolated. We're really far from places mm -hmm. to go travel aside from, you know, going south to Latin America. But it's it, we're oceans away from Asia and we're oceans away from Europe. And that's what makes it hard for, I think, Americans to go out and travel and learn about the world because it's just mm -hmm. expensive and it's a, a lot of time uh, that you have to invest in going to these places. Whereas, you know, obviously in Asia, you can, you can hit... So many different countries and obviously in Europe, it's, a, exactly. it's an entire union. So you can kind of just go in between countries and learn about different food and mm -hmm. culture. Yeah, I really agree. It's, a, it's, it's very interesting also to see American point of view uh, when they arrive to France. And I kind of like when people are like, hey, I did not expect that. And I'm like, what did you expect exactly? Can, can I understand? They were like, well, I don't really know. But that's just not how I pictured it. And when I hear that, I think it's nice because usually it's said in a in a very positive way. 
But at the same time, I want to be like, hey, you guys, just have a look out there. There's so many things, <laughs> you know, don't move out just because it's not like under your nose, you know, go look for it. And just, I know it's a lot of time and money, but I'm going to be honest. I've been very broke for a while and I was still able to do it. You, you can do it. You can always find a way. Always. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're awesome. So you're on another <laughs> echelon. <laughs> How was your your relationship with your American boyfriend? Um, I know you mentioned how you guys met. Are there cultural mm-hmm. differences that you notice a lot? I think he might be, or you might be in a little better position because of your experience globally and experience in the United States. But within your relationship, have you noticed things that are kind of just culturally off and you're getting to know each other a little more from that perspective? Not really. Sometimes it just, it can be just a bit frustrating because, um, well, as you can hear, I speak English, (laughs) but sometimes I don't have the exact words on something that I want to say. And um, so he helps me a lot with it. He's my walking dictionary. (laughs) But sometimes it can be a bit frustrating not to be able to have the right word at the right time, especially if I'm really enthusiastic or if I'm upset. So I think this thing, it's more um, a language barrier than a cultural one. But um, yes, that would be the first thing. For the rest, not really, I guess, um, because we met abroad, both of us, and because I've been to the States. So I don't feel like there are any things uh, which are very shocking. Or, yes, actually, there is just one. Uh, about the food. Um, I feel like American people like to just arrive in a restaurant, eat, and leave. And in France, it's not like that at all. It's just like in Latin countries. You go there, and eating means taking your time and experiencing your food. And it's a social way. Um, it, it, it's a, show, a social event, you know, when you eat out. And... Uh, so sometimes I have a hard time because I'm I'm not even done and he's already already asking for the check. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we're staying at least twenty more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but besides that, not really. I think uh, also because he's really open minded and he was able to come to France as well and experience it. So yeah, it's all good. Awesome. You're just as I remember. So engaging. So insightful, enthusiastic, delightful. So I'm I'm really glad that we could talk again and um, I could we yeah, could catch up and also hear about your your experiences. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast.